0: don't know about you, but whenever um, I begin to pray, um, it isn't long before maybe God opens your eyes, maybe nudges you or kind of shows you something through his words, just something, some area that you need to do something in this area. You need to speak up. You need to say something to them. You need to serve them. You need to get to know them. You need to leave your comfort zone and go and, and help them. And I don't know about your experience, but mine is I like to pray the prayer. It's really good to ask God lead me and and help me to do Your will. But it doesn't take long, but before people who who are seeking God's will, they're going to find themselves in an uncomfortable situation, right? You know, God, I pray that You would do something about that that person. And who has God lay on your heart to do something about it? He wants to use you to do it. And so uh, this past week, uh, Tyler uh, Russell, who used to be a youth minister here, it's. Uh, uh, Shannon and, and Darla's uh, son-in-law, their grandson drew a picture for, um, a, a for I don't know if it's for dad or for school or whoever it was, but I love this picture. You can put it up there if you want. Uh, Bentley is his name, and he drew this picture of the Titanic, and he said, I wish I got to ride on the Titanic. And now, now, I appreciate Tyler's comments, and he needs to read the rest of that story, right? Because, yeah, that's a big, cool ship, and it would be really cool to be able to ride on that ship, but you know if you ride on that ship, it's going to get uncomfortable, here pretty soon, and so there's there's an awkwardness that comes with that, and I appreciated that because I really think that hits well with what we're going to say here today. And as I was kind of thinking and praying and trying to think what follows that, I, I can't help but think that this next statement that I want you to kind of jot down and think with me these next few weeks is, is appropriate. That people who go after seeking God's will, will-seeking, God's will-seeking people, quickly find themselves being courage-needing people, right? People who really begin to say, God, I'm, I'm looking to do what you want me to do, and I want to serve like you want me to serve, and I want to be who you want me to be, and I want to, I want to love like you want me to love, and all those things that we begin to pray, and you know, you know God's will is for those things, but it's not long when you begin to pray that, that you're going to be needing courage, because God's going to stretch you and God is going to invite you, and God is going to call you. God may even kick you in the pants to get you to do something that's probably not in your comfort zone. If you don't believe me, just begin looking at every person in scripture who said, here I am, God, use me. And it wasn't long before they're in a situation you're thinking, whoa, this is scary. I don't know how to deal with this. I'm not sure what I've signed up for here. And so Find themselves being uh, courage-needing people. For courage. What do we turn for an example of someone who um, was in a hard situation and they needed courage to do what God was calling them to do? There's a long list of people in Scripture we could look at, but I I think who we're going to look at these next few weeks. is a good example for us. And his name is Joshua. Uh, The reason I picked this is because in the first chapter of the book that is named after Joshua, three different times, Joshua is told, be strong and courageous. Now, why would God say that to a person three times in a short period of time? It's probably because on the inside, they need to be strong and courageous and they're wrestling to be strong and courageous before a difficult task That is ahead of him. And so we're going to begin today um, by looking at the book of Joshua. Um, And in doing so, I hope that it will be an example to you and that we can glean some things about how did Joshua get to the place where he could live um, boldly, courageously and with God's strength to do what God was asking him to do. And as we're going to see these next few weeks, it was a hard task. For many different reasons, but Joshua fulfilled that task faithfully um, and I want us to be encouraged by that and so I think how does this apply to us before we read the first chapter and if you got a Bible, I want encourage you to go ahead and open up there's Joshua chapter one if you've got the phone app, do whatever you need to do just open up so you can be in in your word too uh, as we read this together in a moment. Um, Sometimes Joshua Joshua's going to be a specific situation where he is being invited and called and, and led to, to really take over a physical land, to lead the Israelite people into the promised land, and there's going to be battles, there's going to be conquest. there's going to be failures, there's going to be all these things, and a, and a very tangible thing. Joshua could see when the task was done. And for you and I, though, God is oftentimes inviting us in different ways. Probably not a physical piece of property. That's not the way God works as much anymore. It's more about moving spiritually into a place where God wants us to be. Maybe it's learning to serve in a new way that God is calling us to do. Maybe it's character change. Maybe it's witnessing it in a way that we've never witnessed before. There's all these things that God is trying to lead us into this fruit-filled life. And sometimes that is the fruit of service. Sometimes it is the fruit of, of character, the fruit of the Spirit. It's that love and joy and peace and patience and those things that God is calling us into. And yet, just like the Israelite people that Joshua was called to lead... From going where God wants us to go it can keep us from being a witness it can keep us from being a servant it can keep us from from becoming or doing what God wants us to become or do and so just like the reason that we need strength and courage is because fear is an ever-present reality in our life, and it is powerful. And many of us look back on our lives and think, you know what, I wish I would have. I can remember a time in my life when I was in high school, um, probably younger high school, and I was invited. We lived in, in, near Moberly, uh, near Central Christian College. And my dad worked there, and so I oftentimes get to hang out there. And there were some college students who were going repelling. What's repelling is that the, the thing where you stand on top of like a, a million-foot high cliff with a skinny little rope, and you just save you, right? It's an insane thing to do. But I got invited to go with these college people to this cliff. I think it was like the Grand Canyon size. I'm sure it was. Although if Moberly, I think there's cliffs that are probably 10 foot high in, in hindsight. But, um, but I remember these courageous college guys just rappel down this cliff. And I thought, how cool is that? I can do that and so I, I came my turn i got all in the harness and got all ready to go and i got to the edge and there's that last thing you have to do right you have to step you have to jump you have to let yourself go where you really have to start to trust the rope and i got stuck in that spot my feet would not move the good thing was though i got over far enough they could take my picture so it looked like i repelled but I couldn't do it. I couldn't take that next step. I wasn't strong enough or courageous enough to trust the process, to trust the rope. And, and I look back with regret because I, I wish I would have done that. What a cool thing that would be to do to say, I did that. Um, Tim Dawson's back there. I don't know. You need to go visit with Tim sometime after church because he has a video. A few weeks ago, Tim was stronger and courageous than i ever be he jumped out of a perfectly good airplane and and parachuted and it was like oh tim i was just so amazed when i watched that video i thought he's got more guts in his little toe than i've got in my whole body and so i was proud of him for that but that was an awesome thing but we all know people that sometimes are just bound by fear. And so as we read this text this morning from Joshua chapter 1 to introduce this series, I just want to invite you to look at this passage and ask the question, what was it that God was doing in Joshua's life? What was he inviting him to lean into that would be the source of strength and courage that he needed to go do a really hard thing? Uh, for God, and so our text begins this way in Joshua chapter one, beginning in verse one. You can follow along with me here if you would. Moses, the servant of the Lord, and just pause there a second. Know that there is a major change. Why is Joshua in a hard place? Because he's following the guy. Right? It's always hard when you're the guy who has to follow the guy. And Moses has been the spiritual leader of Israel for forty plus years. Um, brought them out of Egypt the plagues the the passover all of that stuff moving through the red sea wandering in the wilderness all those years Moses has been the guy but now Moses is gone and Joshua has to step in to fill some really big shoes which is a scary thing to do if you've ever had to do that after the death of Moses though the servant of the Lord the Lord said to Joshua son of Nun Moses's aid Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. Because this is not the first time that Israel has been to the edge of this river. Forty years before, they were in the very same place, and God invited them to cross the river to come and inherit the land that they were being given. And if you remember the story from Numbers 13 and 14, it's a long story, we won't read it, but just it would be good for you to read on your own. One of them is Joshua, another one's a man named Caleb, and the 10 other men are sent into the promised land to scout it out, to, to go look and see what the land is like. And so they scour the land, they see the cities, they see what grows there, the, the vegetation, the, the, the food, the, the life that is there. Um, And it's impressive. But 10 of them come back and they spread a a bad report. Not an untrue report, but they spread a bad report about the land. The walls are too high. The people are giants. It's too hard. We can't do this. And 10 of them spread this true but unbelieving lie that we can't do this. And so the people revolts against Moses. They push back on what God wants them to do. And God says, fine, you don't want to go into the promised land. You can just go wander in in the desert, in the wilderness, for 40 years until this generation of unbelieving people dies off. And then we'll come back and we'll try this again. And so Joshua was one of the two, him and Caleb, who came back and who saw the same things the 10 people saw. They saw the giant cities. They saw the giant people. They saw the difficult task ahead of them. But they said, you know what, there's another thing that we need to add to this equation that God has already said that this is ours. We've seen what God did in Egypt. We've seen how God has provided for us and led us and cared for us. God can do this. He's not asking for our our vote whether we can do it or not. He just wants us to be willing to go. But they get outvoted, and they get to wander in the desert for 40 years as they wander and just bury their friends. And finally, here 40 years later, the Israelites are back in the same place. And Joshua now needs to try to lead the people to do what Moses could not get them to do, which is go take the promised land. And so in verse 3, it says, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, And so be very strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of this law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Here's our third time. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And so, Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Now, what's he talking about in that part? If you look at a map of where the promised land was, three of the tribes, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half of Manasseh, were on the east side, excuse me, the, yeah, the east side, uh, west, west side, west side of the Jordan River. And so they already had their inheritance. They already had where they were supposed to be. So do they get to just sit the battle out? No, he's going to invite them to this. He says your wives, your children, your livestock can stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. Sorry, I don't know my directions. East, of the Jordan, all the men ready for battle must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. You are able to help. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest, as He has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command, will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous." And so Joshua is invited into this journey and he has made himself available and willing to do God's will in his life. And so he's got this scary attack, task ahead of him. And so throughout that passage, he has given the encouragement, be strong and courageous. And so where is that strength? Where is that courage going to come from? If you look through that passage, there's numerous things that are there that God is giving or surrounding him with to be able to say, this is what you can trust in when you feel fearful, when you feel weak, here's your strength, here's your courage. And so I just want to highlight four of them that I think are good and applicable to us, because I think they are things that, that God leaves as, to us and uses Joshua to encourage us in when we feel weak or we feel fearful. Find the courage to be what God wants by, one, taking ownership of God's promises. promises. And what I mean by that He said to the Israelites, everywhere you go in this land, I will give it to you. He had already described the land. It was already theirs by rights, by inheritance, which is an interesting word too. It wasn't earned. It was by inheritance that they had been given this land, but they had to go take it. And so oftentimes in Scripture, we're given these promises that God says, you know what, you can live a life that has peace in it, or you can have a life that's full of grace towards other people, or you can have a life of of godliness or holiness, and you can have these things. And sometimes we sit back and we wonder, why aren't those things growing in my life? Oftentimes it's because we haven't taken ownership of our part in that. Now, God had done everything, and God is going to clear the path, and God is going to lead them and do all this for them. But they had a part they had to own. They had to go. They had to cross the river. They had to engage in the battles. They had to do what God told them to do in order to inherit the things that were there for them. Now, again, 40 years before this promise had been put before the Israelite people, this land is yours. Go take it. But they were too scared to take it. They wouldn't own it. They thought, you know, it's impossible. We could never do that. And so sometimes in our life, we can have access to something. We do this in several different places. Maybe you've bought a house, and you technically own it, but you haven't moved into it yet. So you own it, but you haven't moved in yet or maybe in your in your wallet are gift cards from five years ago that you haven't used yet you own the rights to it but you haven't taken it yet or maybe you have a gym membership and yet you never go to that place, right? You have the right to be there, but you never go there. And all of you are, I see all the elbows and the eyes rolling around on that one. We all have a gym membership that we don't use, right? And so um, that one, that was apparently, we need to talk about exercise next week, apparently. And so, um, or maybe other things that we could think of. Um, but this is exactly what God is inviting us to. I think in our life, in Philippians chapter 4, There is a promise that is given to us. Listen to what Paul would write in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So what's the promise? The promise is that we can have a peace that will guard your hearts. There's a promise that, man, no matter, and think of Paul's life, he's a guy who had a lot of stress, a lot of difficult things in his life, but he had a great peace about him as well. But what's the How do you take ownership of that? You have to be engaged in praying about everything that troubles you and you struggle with and and growing in your prayer life to say, you know what, if I'm going to own the promise, I've got to own what God said in order to get the promise to become a reality in my life. I've got to learn to pray and cast everything on God and, and be thankful. And so oftentimes we want God's promises, but we're not experiencing because we're not taking ownership of that promise by doing what God said to do in order to achieve it. And so I think Joshua's strength and his courage is going to come by just holding on to God. This is yours. And all I have to do is step into that because it's already available to me. God made them available to them was simply the idea of taking ownership of God's promises. Number two, us to be by seeing with godly vision. By seeing with godly vision. Now this goes back again to the the Numbers 13 and 14 story. Remember, 10 of those guys saw this beautiful, vast land that could be theirs. They saw struggle. They saw failure. They saw their inadequacy. They saw the size of the giants, the difficulties of the cities. They saw through a very true but human vision. Joshua and Caleb, though, were men who saw, you know what? Yes, the walls are tall. Yes, the people are giants. Yes, it is difficult, but you're forgetting God. You're forgetting God who those things are not big to him. That They had a different vision for life. They saw what could be because God rules over all and because God is, is leading and, and helping them. And so they saw what could be. And over those 40 years, as Joshua and Caleb wandered around in the desert watching an entire generation of people die off, they never lost the vision of what could be. And so when Joshua again stands here on the bank of the river, his vision hasn't failed him. He still believes this land is here for the taking because God has already given it to us. He is already allowing us to have it. We just have to go take it. And so I just would just ask you, sometimes the reason that fear becomes such a powerful thing in our life is because we're simply looking at life, um, as one person said, that we think, well, maybe God might do something instead of, as Joshua and Caleb thought, God is mighty. And he will do something. And he is bigger than these fears. He is bigger than this insecurity. He is bigger than this need. And so it's just that different of, difference of vision. to find strength and courage when things failed. He's going to come back to God and say, God, this is what it's supposed to be. So where, where are we failing you at? And so that vision would drive him. He found strength and courage by seeing the world through God's eyes, not from human I think he found courage to be what God wants by holding on to God's word. It's interesting that God is going to send Joshua on a military campaign, but nowhere in that chapter does he give a military strategy. Now he will do that eventually, but what does he tell him to hold on to? What is his mind supposed to meditate? What's supposed to be on his lips? It is God's word. And we think, well, did he have a Bible? He had five books of a Bible. He had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He, that was his Bible. And so God said, hold on to my law. Hold on to the stories that you have heard about me. Hold on to that. Meditate on them. Don't just read them in the morning and forget about them, but meditate on them. That's the idea of the old cow chewing its cud, where you're just kind of constantly chewing on God's Word and its truths and its applications for his life. And he was going to find strength and help from doing that. And so or when he felt inadequate for the task, he could remind himself of God's promises. God has been promising to, to do this for us all the way back to Genesis chapter 15 or chapter 12 when, when God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless all the world through you. Of that. And so, on to God's word. And number four, lastly, we find courage by walking or working. And I love the, the, the end of that chapter, um, because if you've ever tried to be strong and courageous, it sure helps to have a buddy with you, somebody who's got your back or is standing beside you, who you can say, you know, what, I'm feeling weak. We'll say, I got you. We go, we're going to do this together. And when you read that last of that chapter where those three tribes, they've already got their inheritance. They're on this side of the river. They've already settled it. They're kind of there. But I love their attitude. When Joshua says, look, I know you guys are already settled in your, in your families. They can all stay here. But you need to lead, this is an interesting place, not follow, you need to lead your brothers into their land. And they say, yes, we will do it. And if we don't, maybe be put to death. But Joshua, you have challenged us. You have, you're going to lead us well. You be strong and courageous, and we're going to go with you. And there is strength to be found in that, in not having to go it alone. And so whenever you and I go through life, we need other people. It's important to be looking around for other courageous people. And we all go through times when we feel weak, when we feel vulnerable, when we feel afraid. And... If going back to my repelling story, if one of those bold and courageous guys who had already done it would have stood there right beside me and done it with me at the same time, I probably, I would have been terrified, but I probably would have done it because I would have been somebody with me, but it was the sense of being alone that if I messed this up, I'm a long ways above ground and I could die, right? There's that fear that takes over in your minds, but when you're there doing it with someone else, there's a strength in that. In in, uh, last July, I believe, um, there was a uh, a family that was in. Panama City Beach in Florida. And they were swimming, but they realized a couple of their kids got caught up in a, in a, rip, a rip current, and they were unable to come back to the beach. Well, a mom just saw this going on, and she swam out to them. She got stuck out there. Grandma saw it. She got stuck out there. Several people ended up seeing what was going on. That These people were stuck out there, and they couldn't make it back to the beach. And so they, they swam. And eventually, you get a group of nine people out there stuck, and they can't get back to the beach. And so all the people on the beach are watching this scene. And instead of sending one more person out, they thought, you know what, we can work together to make this happen. This is a video of that experience. Um, Beautiful beach, by the way. Doesn't that make us want to go on vacation? But there's the people stuck out there in the sea. But watch what the people are doing from the beach. They don't send one person, but they begin to link arms. They begin to hold hands. And they formed a human chain of, of 80 people that stretched all the way out to the group of folks that were stuck. And one by one. They led them back, and all of them survived. One lady had a heart attack, but she was okay after the fact. I guess that's, that's, that's better than dying, I guess. But uh, it, uh, she was okay. It was the grandma of the bunch, I think. So <laughs> anyway, but uh, let's move on. <laughs> Next week, we're going to talk about encouraging words. How about that? So, um, but when you, but this, the moral of the story, come back with me. Karen. The moral of the story is they all worked together, and they all rescued them because of the power of helping each other. They didn't know each other. They were all just strangers at the beach that day. But because one person was willing to link arms with another and say, you know what? I can't do this myself, but we can do this together. Uh, they were able to accomplish that end of chapter 1 of Joshua points us to is that we don't have to do this alone. And Joshua didn't have to do this alone. He had the help of his God. He had the help of a God who has uh, had a history of promising, this is what I'm going to do. Just step into it. And I'm going to be with you. And and my words are going to guide you. And my words are going to help you and strengthen you. So meditate on them. And here's my people. Go do this together. It's not a one person taking on a nation. It's a nation taking on a nation. And with me, you're going to do it. And so there was a strength and a courage that came because they poured into what God had for them. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to unpack those themes. Because I, I think I, I will hope that you'll continue to pray uh, each day as, as the weeks go by. Just, God, lead me in your will. Uh, protect me. Change my heart. Use me. in your harvest. Um, But you're going to face fear in that. You're going to face moments where you think, man, I don't know if I can do this. Um, And so where is that strength and courage going to come from? The same place as it came from John.